Okay, uh, looks like we are recording. So um, this is my Rideshare Stories podcast, and today I have on the phone with me Evan Kale, who is uh, a former rideshare driver, author, podcaster, and uh, by his own uh, description, the bad Santa of rideshare. Is that <laughs> correct, Evan? Okay. So I'm hoping that today we can kind of have a freewheeling discussion about um, your book and the other things that you're up to today. Uh, for our audience, I discovered you, I think, because you, you friended me or uh, followed me on Twitter. And uh, that's how I first heard about you and, and your books. Um, so I was hoping we could just start out and tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of, you know, when and how long were you a, a rideshare driver? Sure. Okay. Um, I will give you the short origin story because it wouldn't be unheard of for me to ramble about this for like half an hour or something. So the uh, shortest version I can give you is I got into writing. Okay, here we go again. Um, so it, we're with Evan Kale, who is an author and rideshare driver. And Evan, you were telling me about how you got started in rideshare and how long you've been a driver. Right. So I'll give you the, I don't want to give you the full story. I mean, I'll be, it wouldn't be unheard of for me to ramble for like half an hour or something about it like I have to other journalists. So a uh, short version, I got into writing when I was in college, particularly with screenwriting. And I had discovered, like, I thought, okay, this is what I want to do. So screenwriting is extremely hard to get into. Um, I was putting all my time and effort into it. And I was getting into film festivals and contests. I was making some headway in this, like, impossible field to break into. So after college, my focus was uh, uh, easy jobs, basically, that could just put a roof over my head as I kept writing. And so that's kind of how I came into rideshare was I was working as a busboy at a hotel. Um, I was drinking too much while I was working because I had access to the beer cooler and there were no cameras. So one night I get really drunk and uh, I asked the bartender for a ride home. He gives me a ride on Lyft. He sets me up with an account, first ride is free. And as I'm talking to the driver who's taking me home, my God, I've stumbled upon the best money-making opportunity that allowed me to keep writing. Or so this driver is telling me, and so it seems like, so this was kind of how I first discovered, this was Lyft. Um, Lyft and Uber came to Minnesota in 2014. Well, Uber came in black car in 2012, but they, the ride sharing was officially legalized in 2014. So this was like very shortly after that. So I did some research when I got home. There were uh, advertisements online from both Lyft and Uber. Advertising makes $1,500 a week or more which, I mean, that wasn't just going to solve all my money problems. That was going to take care of me. It seemed like, seemed like an excellent opportunity. So I just jumped headfirst into this rideshare thing. I uh, bought a used BMW. I spent like 15 grand on it. I thought if I'm going to be driving for a job, I want the nicest car possible because it's like if I'm going to be walking for a job, I'm not going to walk around in crappy shoes. I want nice shoes. And I thought customers would tip me more and behave better if I had a nicer car. But what I didn't know was all the shortcomings that are attached to the rideshare industry. Right, and 
I think you in your uh, podcast you start talking about that in episode one, um, uh-huh. and you you are no longer a rideshare driver. Is that correct? Well, shockingly, excuse me, shockingly, my account is still active uh, on both. Lyft has suspended me because I ran my mouth on Twitter about some of the shit I got away with. They didn't outright kick me off. They just suspended me, and they're like, they called me and they wanted me to call them back. I obviously never did. But Uber still lets me go. And if you read the shit that I'm doing, like, I'm the world's biggest liability. I should have been shut off years ago. Okay. So, yeah, my, account, my accounts are still active. I don't do it anymore um, because, well, I've, so I've gone through four cars. Uh, my last car was my cheapest. It's a Cadillac FTS. I paid, when all was said and done, about eight and a half, nine grand for it. I paid most of it off. But what I've come to discover is every time you get behind the wheel and you go out, you're taking a risk that you might damage your car. So the last time that I drove, I got so fed up with it because I had done more damage to my car driving around in a blizzard all day than I had earned. Then it's just like, okay, that's it. I, I'm done. I have to retire. Yeah. Well, it it's funny you mentioned that because I'm going through some of my own shit right now. My uh, yeah. car was vandalized 10 days ago. And, you know, someone, random person came by and scrawled, you know, fuck you and all kinds of stuff on my car. I have no idea why I was targeted. So I just got my car out of the shop. You know, it was $500 deductible. The yeah. the, the bill was like 1300 And then plus I was out 10 days of not being able to drive. So, yeah. yeah. That's not their problem, as they make clear. You know, even if it's something like, um, I have this one episode I recount, and I think it was the first podcast on my show, maybe the second one, I forgot which one. But uh, Uber, when I first started, they made you take or use their GPS. They had a built-in GPS interface. And if you tried to run any other kind of a GPS, the app would, like, crap out on you. It was like the app had been programmed to be like, well, if you're not going to listen to me, fine. You're not going to get anywhere then. Yeah. So this app, uh, the city's under construction, and the app, like very late at night I'm driving this woman in the country and the app is taking me down this road that like no car should be driving down but it can't calculate an alternative I don't know where the hell we are she doesn't know where the hell we are mm-hmm. so in doing and following Uber's GPS I got a tire shredded and that was on a Friday night so not only did I have to replace the tire and have the car towed but I also missed driving that night I missed driving the next night because it was a weekend I couldn't get the tire squared away until that following Monday. So, you know, this, this kind of stuff ends up costing you. And Uber just always says, you know, and Lyft, too, for that matter, too bad. You know what you shouldn't have been doing? You shouldn't have been driving. Yeah. And I, we, I might get to this later in our discussion, but I think that's a thing that a lot of new drivers don't realize when they get into this is, you know, they're making this money, you know, on the top end but they don't realize the amount of wear and tear on their car, and then one day, you know, their transmission gives out, and they're kind of yeah. SOL. And in particular, I mean, at least with Lyft, more now than Uber, you're required to give X amount of rides. I mean, not like a number, but like a percentage, and Lyft will, well, basically, if I hadn't run my mouth on Twitter about all I had done to Lyft, they were gonna suspend me soon anyway. Because I don't take these ridiculous ride requests. Like, you look at a, you get a request, and it's for like 20 or 30 miles away. The person has a terrible score. You don't know where they're going with almost, like, almost guaranteed they're not going far, and you're going to lose money. And if you don't do that trip, 
uh, you get kicked off. Or like Lyft will send you these like passive right. emails like, hey, Lyft driver, we expect you to do all of the calls to keep our, our system running smoothly. And it's like what you want me to do is bleed money for you so that you can make right. people happy. You know, that's interesting. Uh, and I, well, that's why I was kind of curious when you drove last because at least here in Chicago, but I think it is now nationwide, um, acceptance rate no longer matters on Lyft. Oh, really? They changed it then? Okay. Yeah. Well, they, I, last I heard, they hadn't changed it, but I bet there must have been such an outcry because it was so ridiculous. Well, I think they were actually sued by somebody in California over this issue because, right. you know, it, how can you be an independent contractor if you are forced to, you know, or you're pu punished for not accepting rides? Right, uh, and and in their in their newest version of the app, which they're going to release soon, they're going to show you uh, like the ride duration and I think general direction maybe, um, but you know only to, to riders who maintain a certain acceptance rate. So you know, right. and it's like, what's the point of being able to dodge it if you have to maintain this crap of going and putting all these dead miles on your car? Just to be able to see where people are going, the whole novelty of being able to see where they're going is to be able to filter. So if you're required to go and keep doing these, it doesn't it doesn't make any difference. Right. So yeah, it's so it's such a like the mentality is so frustrating. It's remarkable. I would love to sit down with the founders of Lyft and be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you two? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, again, I think part of it is they want to ensure low wait times on the passenger end, and if you have drivers declining rides for whatever reason, you know, it it makes passengers wait longer. Well, as I told passengers, don't play, don't hate the player, hate the game. It's a broken system they've created and any shortcomings that are coming about on the customer's end could be fixed if the drivers were properly taken care of, but they're not. Yeah. So you when when was your last official ride? Yeah, I um, in one of my previous podcast episodes, I interviewed a former taxi driver, and um, he also came out with some uh, memoir books about you know his best or worst taxi passengers. It's interesting because he has no desire to ever drive a taxi again. I don't even think he owns a car these days. Um, he, you know, he's an artist, he's a painter, and you know, involved in the arts, cool guy. Um, do you, is there anything that would, like, do you miss, you know, being a rideshare driver? Do you miss, sort of, is there like a thrill or an excitement or anything like? Yeah, yeah. So what I write about in the books is I'm like, kind of like a moth to a flame. I mean, on the one hand, the system is chewing me up and spitting me out and fucking me over. But on the other hand, I am a young guy. I'm cruising around my car very, very late at night having these wild adventures, like person after person either tells me something or something crazy happens. It's like, you know, I know as I'm living it, I know what I'm living. I know what I'm living special. 
And so walking away from that was kind of hard. I mean, I still do have the desire sometimes to go out and have an adventure, but then I'm reminded of all the baggage and all the horror and the fact that I'm probably going to lose money if I go out. So that's what stops me. But mm-hmm. I mean, it was a great adventure. I had I had a blast. Yeah. And I, you know, I haven't read your books yet, but it, it sounds like you really documented your rides because like you'd say you know ride 247 was you know this passenger who did this did you document that as you went or was it more like down the road that you decided you know i want to write a book and so i need to start putting this down on paper my joke was the more i hated you the quicker i wrote about you so there were some people where i would just pull over and write the story with them because it's like i got to get this as fresh as possible mm-hmm. as I'm going to be mad for hours if I don't mentally pour this out on paper right now and, and just like dismiss myself from it after that. So you, so you like almost like therapeutic kind of yeah. write about right away. So you would do this uh, after I, a ride? You would pull over and write this down? Yeah, sometimes. Not always. Um, I started keeping a diary maybe about a week or so into driving. What happened was the following week after I started, these it was bar closed like 2.30 in the morning here in Minneapolis and I got this group of grade school teachers in my car and they invite me into their house after the ride to smoke weed and that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> every time somebody ever invited me into their house after the ride I always said yes particularly if it was to smoke pot uh, so I'm in this house and I'm just having this bizarre encounter with these strangers like smoking weed with them and like talking to them and they kind of gave me the idea to write the book because I was talking about screenwriting one of them mentioned, oh, you should, uh, you should write a book about being an Uber driver. So when I got home later that night, I dug through my closet, and I found this little blank diary that I had been saving, and I started using that as my, uh, my little black book to record all the rides. Mm. So I never filmed anyone. Um, I never tape-recorded anyone, but I did uh, you know, write, write about everything that they said and did after the ride, and I would always date it. Yeah. As a, as a fellow writer... Uh, you know, and and rideshare driver and what have you. My experience has been a little different because uh, you've done a lot more rides than I have. I've done about three thousand five hundred rides on both platforms, and I'm at the point now where like everybody's a blur. You know, like somebody gets yeah. in the car, and no matter how good or how bad the, the experience was, as soon as they get out of the car, I totally forget about them. And usually, like, I'm on my way to the next ride. So I actually find it hard now. Like, you probably, you know, people always get in the car and say, so, you know, what was your best ride? What was your worst ride? And, like, oh I, can't, I, can't even, yeah. I can't even remember. Even if I wanted to give them an honest answer, you know, I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm kind of a boring driver. Like, not really much has happened to me. But so like you know just the, the whole documenting while you're driving issue is is difficult for me yeah no, i got you there and i actually have a story in the uber one called blending faces and it was about it's about exactly that that i noticed you know not only is everybody starting to blur together but everybody gets in they ask the same slew of questions pretty much in the same order they have pretty much the same reaction to each of the stories or whatever and then they're out and then uh-huh. the person gets in and repeats themselves. And so not only is everybody kind of blending together, but you're forced to keep telling the same stories over and over again and people are reacting in the same way. So it's like you can't get yourself in Groundhog Day. Yeah. It's so psychologically torturous. People don't realize. You know, if you get it, you 
any questions. Don't ask them, oh, it's the craziest thing that's ever happened. What happens if we get into an accident? What's the first you've ever heard of it? That kind of stuff, like, not an interesting question. Did you ever, like, make up answers? Sometimes. Uh, I've got this one, I thought I was going to be retired. Good. And that final week, I was doing all crazy erratic things. And so, it was, there was one night, we had a whole different story. Every person got in the art and, like, just ended it. I don't really lie in general. The end of, by the end of night of this lying day, art making up all these stories and mentally exhausted it's yeah I usually just make it up okay uh Evan I'm going to take a quick break because one Okay, uh, we are back with my interview with Evan Kale, the author of Ubered, uh, which is a book, uh, ebook, and also a related podcast. Am I right, Evan? That that is correct. Do you have any? Okay. Um, okay. Well, I wanted to get back to your books, uh, which again, I, I have not read your books, but I'm very interested in delving into them. Um, can you tell me why you have a part one and a part two? Yeah, well, one happened, so it's the first year, and I've been this, like, I realized we are writing the, the you know, week in the driving ride. So I thought, man, I had kind of, like, like format as uh, the format through a friend on a trip to New October of 2015. So nearing about the one year mark from when it started, and then on the one year anniversary, down to the minute of getting my first ride, uh, my car got totaled by another rideshare driver. So that kind of became the perfect stopping point for the book or for the part one. But then I kept driving because I got the car fit, or I got a new car and like. I was still driving full time, and the fastest way for me to write a book, put it out quickly, was to keep driving because there's no other job that affords you downtime like this. So I kept driving as I wrote part one, but as I kept driving, the stories kept happening. So I kept recording it, and then eventually it's like, okay, well, I have enough stories for part two. I might as well. So I kind of started writing a longer time. Okay. Uh, would you say part two has more lurid stories in part one? I'm definitely trying to push the envelope more in part two. I mean, a lot of it really is what can I get away with? Mm -hmm. uh, what kinds of behavior can I document and write about and still stay on the road? Because like I said, I'm, I'm the bad Santa of Uber drivers. I should have been shut off a long time ago. The fact that I'm able to get out every night, right now I could go smoke my face off and go pick people up, and, and I could do that. Right. Like, Uber, you know, all Uber and Lyft care about is, is this driver going to make us money? Mm -hmm. So any, you know, anything that, that impedes on that, unless they get caught, like blatantly, uh, Uber and Lyft don't seem to care. Right. Since these books, uh, I assume you've self-published these books? I originally self-published. A publisher stepped in um, about two years ago, and since 
about March of last year, the book has been on a rocket trajectory. It's gone from, I was not selling many copies when I first published, but now I'm selling a lot. Mm -hmm. What's been the reaction like? Have, have you heard from Uber, Lyft, or other drivers about your book? Uh, from other drivers, I have heard quite a bit. They've been very amused. Uh, a lot of them have said, boy, I sure don't have stories like you. And I attribute that to the fact that I'm like, I'm a naturally unlucky person. I'm basically a shit magnet. So only me this kind of shit could happen to. Um, but I was on the evening news here in Minnesota, like the 10 o'clock evening news. It was a big story. And Uber declined to comment on the book and they never reached out to me. And I was certain, certain when I published volume one that I was going to get fired because I had heard that drivers were uh, being terminated just for, sorry, hang on. Okay, I got another person trying to call me. Um, I, was, I heard that drivers were being terminated for simply tweeting ill of Uber and Lyft. So the fact that I'm writing these books about it I thought for sure that they were going to be on me, but no, they they have they have yet to reach out to me in any capacity. Same as left. Mm -hmm. I think that with both companies scheduled to go public next year, that they're trying to minimize any bad press as much as possible. I mean, it seems like every other week there's a new study that comes out saying how little Uber and Lyft drivers really make. Right, or how it's not actually doing things for city congestion like the claim. Like I saw The Economist had an article about two months ago that was checking what Uber was putting out about how they can reduce commotion or congestion in cities, and it's like not even close to what they claim they're, that they're doing for cities. Yeah. It's really the only positive, tangible benefit that I have seen that has come from a proven study is that when Uber and Lyft enter an area, uh, DUIs and DUIs go up. Right. It's funny, I, uh, I, I wrote an article for um, the Rideshare guy uh, last year, and it was about how Lyft had, they rolled out this new heat map thing, which, which actually you know, made drivers earn less. So I wrote this kind of like expose about it, and as soon as it was published, a Lyft PR guy like, you know, friended me on LinkedIn and was like, oh, you know, <laughs> I'd like to reach out to you. Anything, you know, you need, let me know. And so it was interesting. See, here is one of the, one of the maddening stories that I have. Did you get a lift jacket or did they reach out to you about that? Uh, well, I got a lift jacket when I hit 1K. Yeah, exactly. So that to me was such a fucking slap in the face. I, I almost deleted Lyft the app and only drove for Uber like a thousand rides do you have any idea what i had to go through in those thousand rides and your way to say thanks to me is to send me some shitty piece of flair like are you kidding me i give me a thousand dollars i'm trying to run a, bu a business here mm. and you're slashing prices and you want to send me a jacket come on yeah so that's my thoughts on the check <laughs> right um we are closing in on the end of this podcast um what is next for you um obviously you you've launched this podcast I, i'm looking forward to listening to episode three um are you gonna like go on a book tour or anything book tour 
and not yet. I would like a major publisher to step in before I undertook something like that because that would be expensive. I do have a publisher right now with Uber, but they're an independent publisher. I mean, they're not independent. They're a smaller publisher, so they certainly aren't going to pay to send me across the country. Um, but no, my I mean, I'm still writing like crazy. I've got, I just released my first novel. A lot of it I wrote in my car between rides. It's called Wolf in the Jungle. Um, I've got two books slated coming out for next year. This podcast, Uber, is going to be a limited podcast because I only have so many Uber stories. But I'm thinking this will go for at least the Uber podcast will go for at least six more months. Okay. Every week episodes coming out. So I mean, the best is yet to come here with this stuff. Yeah. Beyond that, I'm maybe going to make a podcast about my life because I've got so many just weird life stories too. But this is, you know, this is all stuff in the future. For now, just know I've got more books coming out, and this podcast is not going anywhere anytime soon. Right. I, I get the sense that, I mean, you're using this as kind of a way to launch your, you know, author career in in different genres. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, That's funny. I got in. I got into rideshare to advance my writing in the form of screenwriting, and I'm leaving it now as a book author, and I'm done with screenwriting. I'm only going to be writing books now. Uh, I'm just curious, has anyone approached you to turn your books into a screenplay? If I had a nickel. <laughs> I was on a talk show, a local talk show here in the Twin Cities, and that was the first question. Uh, it was the Jason show. That was the first question Jason asked me because he's like, I can't believe that nobody's bought the rights to this yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, nobody has yet, but I mean, it's a newer title. And like I said, it wasn't doing too well until recently, and now it's just starting to really take off. So. I'm sure the best is yet to come for the stuff. Well, I will talk to you offline about that because I'm actually I would love to figure out a way to get you to Chicago and you know because I'm involved with a lot of Facebook forums, driver groups. You know, we're organizing around a lot of these issues that are affecting drivers. But you know, I want to get like authors and and other interesting people, podcasters here because um, I think there's also a creative angle. Um, so let's yeah, let's keep in touch and make that happen uh, in 2019. That sounds great. Mark, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. So my guest was Evan Kale, uh, the author of Ubered, the podcast, ebook, and book that's available on Amazon. Um, it was a, p- a pleasure talking with you. You too. Have a great day. All right.